<laughs> Welcome, everyone. Good afternoon. Um, very hot afternoon in Stellenbosch. Thank you so much for turning out uh, for this session. Um, I'm Sarah Jane King. It's great to be here. And um, I will introduce you uh, just now to the two ladies on my left, who I'm sure you already know. Um, I have to say that when I was um, asked to do this session, I was absolutely thrilled. And I, I'm not sure whether actually I was asked or whether I sort of strong-armed my way into doing it. Um, because I was, I had, when this book came out, um, I was so keen to, first of all, read it, um, but second of all, to meet Miche, um, because I felt, and I don't know if anyone's read my book at all and, and knows my story, but I'd felt, yes, lady in the yellow trousers. <laughs> Top brownie points. Um, I felt that our stories, while very, very different in a way, had very similar themes, and I was just desperate to, to meet her and, and relate to, to her on that level. Uh, so to my far left is Joanne Joel, who's the author uh, of uh, not just this book, which you can purchase in the exclusive books tent to the right. And in fact, we won't open the doors um, until you have bought a copy. So that's, that's the rule this afternoon. Um, and of course, Joanne has written a number of books. Let's go, Finding Sarah. And that's not the first one, the first one was? Quarter Life Crisis. Quarter Life Crisis. Then it was Finding Sarah. There was The Other Side of Shame. There was Winging It. Um, there was... Where? Larry Joe. The Crazy Life of Larry Joe. And, of course, uh, this one here. Um, and the lady in the middle um, is Michelle Solomon, who you may possibly in your mind think of as Zephanie Nurse. But for the purposes of today, and I will be referring to her as Michelle. Welcome. Michelle, Jan, hello. 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 <laughs> Okay, so I want to start with a quote from okay. the book, um, Michelle, uh, and it goes thus. How they felt when they lost me is completely different to how I felt when I found out I was stolen. I thought that was so powerful. As the public, or rather the audience to this mm. story, we felt like we had come to know Mornay and Celeste, the, the bereft parents, but we didn't know you. So why did you want to do this book? Was it for you or was it for us, the mm. public? Well, um, the main reason I would say it was it was for myself is in the beginning. I find it very therapeutic to usually write things down and actually speak about things. So um, writing down and writing into a book, this was, it was like a healing process for me. And then as I started speaking to Joanne, and I told her that, and you know, when I read stuff and what people were saying, I felt that I was losing my sense of voice in this tragedy where I'm involved as a person as well. And um, another reason is why I actually did this book is because I felt that I needed to share my voice. I felt that my voice was being lost. People are expecting me to be something that I'm not. And I also have a strong belief that through my story, you know, that these, uh, I can make a huge impact on the next person's life, but mainly also because I did feel that my voice was being lost in my own trauma. Mm. And people were having this huge expectation of who I'm supposed to be. And I did it in the form of a book to, to show them that you know, this is my life. This is what I actually been through. This is not a Hollywood story. It seems like a Hollywood story yeah. when you read about it, like her own sister discovered founder. And I mean, like, this, is, this was my reality. And I felt that my story, my voice needed to be heard because I think if I never, I also felt that I was hiding. Mm -hmm. I really was, and I got tired of hiding. Mm -hmm. And I do think that since I wasn't even able to heal in silence, and yes, the identity protection was there, but coming out with the book, my healing, it, it needed to be done in public as well. And you talk about healing and, and, the he yeah. and, and in doing that, the assumption therefore, or, or the, the <clears throat> suggestion is that there was something to be healed from. Yeah. For you, what was that? What was, what was your hurt? My hurt was that, I would, I would say is that the, the mother that raised me, that she lied to me, that was actually one of my biggest hurts. But what my heart was actually aching and the agony was that I, 
I wasn't allowed to really say who I am, who I was, who I believed, which was Michelle. And because I understand the fact that people have followed the story since in 1997. And I would say, yes, I do appreciate every person that shared it here, each and every person that helped search for me. And, but, you know, this is what I've been through. And yes, they might feel that I do have to give them an explanation regarding my life, but this is what I've been through. This is, I was the one that was being told, your life is a lie. I was the one being told, there's no record of you being born, that your mother that you loved, that you believed raised you for 17 years, is the one that's actually a thief. She stole you from another set of parents. So, the heartache is, was for me for, I would say, the past five years was that I, I actually had to do what was best for other people mm. and put my happiness aside. Who I believe that I was, I had to put that aside. And you, I mean, you were 17 when this all happened. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, you were, you were a child. Yes, I was. Um, you know, regardless of, and I think we, we mustn't forget that, regardless of how mature, mm. obviously we're five years later now, but mature you are and, and appear to be yeah. um, you were when this happened you were you were a child and yeah. 17 years old my I first met Michelle I don't know if you even remember this do you remember the first time we met yes do you yes I do <laughs> fabulous um we first met when uh, this book first came out and i was at work i work at cape talk as a as a presenter and michelle had come in to speak to john matham on his afternoon show uh and i as i say i'd been gripped by this story and we all kind of lots of us from from work crammed into the small producer studio and was sort of staring as um john and, and michelle had this had this conversation and i was struck at the time as to how mature and how together Michelle seemed. And we, we live streamed this interview from John's show and then afterwards, um, when it was over, I went back to look at some of the Facebook comments. Yeah. Uh, and sure, I was absolutely stunned by the vitriol, really, that was directed at Michelle. I, I couldn't get my head around it. Some of the comments were just, I just thought were appalling. Yeah, Were you, it, it was horrible. I, what I've always wanted to know was, were you surprised? Because what, what seemed to happen was that people were furious that you had, yeah. first of all, that you uh, were critical in any way of members yeah. of your biological family. Secondly, that you weren't critical enough of, or so, let, let's take it further, yeah. that you hadn't completely disowned mm -hmm. Lavona, your mom. Yeah. Um, and that, and then the third thing was she's cashing in on blah blah blah. Yeah. I, and as an author, I'd like to say, um, when you're a, when you're a South African writer, there's no cashing in to no. be had. Let me just tell you that right now. Um, so that struck me. Were you surprised? Were you prepared for that? What was your reaction to that level of criticism? That sure was hectic. Yeah. Um, I was kind of prepared for it because okay. that was part of the counselling, you know, it wasn't right. just a decision, I'm going to come out because I knew the consequences of coming out. It's not just bringing myself out, it's bringing my biological parents out, it's mm. bringing my kids out, mm. bringing my family out. Mm. So there was a lot of counselling and Joanne, she was one of the, the good friends, I would say, that was actually like motivating me and to just give all the support from family and friends um, from what people could say but when and I can you still remember the fact when you used to tell me don't go read the comments it's not good did it's you not read good. the comments a few of it but mm. I was so disgusted and heartbroken that I just refused to read it mm. and um, well I would say that I was kind of prepared for it but when it actually happened, there was a lot of pressure. Mm. And there was a lot of people that interviewed me and asked me questions to feed the public's interest. Mm. And with that pressure, sometimes my interviews didn't go as well as, or the, I couldn't bring the message forward that I wanted to. Mm. It was always based on what the public wanted to know, what they forced, what they wanted the interviewer to, to mm. ask me. Mm. and. But as I said, with a lot of counselling, with a lot of good friends and family, I was able to actually push through those negativity. I was just staying focused on, 
you know, the positive thing that I want to do. This big plan was to impact so many lives. And my kids also, you know, people were saying she's, she's suffering from, I think it's Stockholm syndrome. Mm-hmm, syndrome. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the counseling and with things like Joanne, they were like, you know, that, that that's not true. Don't believe everything people are telling you. It's not who you are. And I had to stay true to myself. Why do you think, and, and I, I, you've, you've sort of preempted my, my next question, which yeah. is that around this, this Stockholm mm. Syndrome thing, I don't know if anyone's aware, but there was a lot of stuff where, where people ca- came out and said, the only reason that she's not completely disowning Livona or whatever um, mm. is because she's suffering from Stockholm Syndrome. Now, and I was, at the time, I was one of the people that jumped in and said, that's absolute yeah, yeah, nonsense. I, saw, I, saw that, yeah. I was, you know, I was, I was quite, um, I, th- I thought it was an offensive thing to say. Yeah. But I have to say now in hindsight, it, it depends where one is placing the, the understanding of where the Stockholm Syndrome began. If they're saying that you were suffering from Stockholm Syndrome since you were a small baby, well, obviously that's ridiculous because yeah. you didn't know that you were stolen. Yeah. But then in terms of since finding out your true identity... Um, and and you and you write in the book about this, um, and you speak about this in the book mm. that you know you continue to have a relationship with Livonia. You mm. didn't turn your back on her. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if there there is an element of I mean let's maybe not Stockholm syndrome traditionally, <laughs> but but that the bond a bond but yeah. a traumatic bond because yeah. that's what it is. Mm. Even though you may not have known that, yeah, the bond that you had when what happened happened mm. was traumatic yeah so do you still think that there that it's you still write off the stockholm syndrome theory uh, <laughs> um well i definitely do mm. because you know when i had my kids mm. um that that played a huge role in my life <clears throat> sorry i'm just having a bit of flu here <laughs> so um like, as I would tell people, I forgave Livona, you know. And I will always be grateful, even though it, it wasn't her duty to raise me, mm. but I'll always be grateful for what she has done and mm. how she's raised me and, and everything else she's done for me. But, like, the bond, it is still there. Mm. And <clears throat> I do acknowledge what she did was... What's was crazy? It was wrong. You can't go and steal someone's child and raise someone's child as your own and not tell anyone mm. about you know and not even me. Mm. So the Stockholm syndrome, I can say, I definitely do, do not. I I don't suffer from that mm. because I do acknowledge what she has done wrong. And there is there comes a point. There come a point in my life where there are times when I don't feel that I can't face it right now. Where I feel that. There needs to be a little bit of distance. But for me, she was the mother that I knew for 17 years. Mm. I can't just, just chuck that away. Of course not. You know, like, my identity was, was a lie. But, mm. like, as me and Joe spoke, the love that I've received from, received from the family, that wasn't a lie because they also didn't know that, that I was stolen. Mm. So the love that I received like from Michael, the father that raised me, and she might have struggled to love me in the beginning because obviously I'm, I wasn't a child. But like as years gone, I do I do believe that love was built for me, and I believe that that love was genuine that I've received, mm. and I don't I don't think I. I suffer from Stockholm. I do acknowledge what she has done is wrong. And presumably you're in a... And I want to return to, to Livona in a second, but presumably yeah. you're, in a, you're in a process when it comes to this. It's not that yeah, you wake up one morning, find no, out you're Zephanie Nurse and go, these like are my you, opinions. I can advise anyone. If you ever go through something like this, it's, it's going to take your whole life to, to go for counselling. Seems unlikely, my darling, but <laughs> yeah, I see, I, see, I see your point. <laughs> but it's like you need to go. You need counselling. Has really that been do. key for you? Communication and counselling, yeah. a lot of support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, I want to come for, to you now. What for you? I mean, it, it seems obvious from a from a writer's perspective, but I want to hear from you. What was it, and when was it that you thought this is a story that I want to do? I mean, even now, I sit here and I listen to this, and I think there's a whole other book in 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 this. There's there's, there's more. The story just kind of it it grows because it's real life because yeah. we are dealing with. 
an exceptional human being here. I mean, it just blows me away every time the, the kind of extent of self-analysis and stepping outside of herself that Miche is able to do as really as a young person. Mm. Um, and so as, as a headline, as, and you would know as, as a writer or journalist yourself, as a headline, this is a story that anybody wants to write. But when when the publisher approached me um, the, the first time to, yeah. to to consider it, it was not at the point of headlines. It was it had moved on from that, and that is mm. what to me as a biographer is particularly interesting. I, I'm not as interested in writing about the headline as I am in writing about the story behind or that precedes or that goes along with or that may will will flow from the headline. And so, um, had they come to me and said, we'd like you to write an expose or an analysis or a, a, um, just a recounting of the story that we've all known for, for 17 years, I'm not sure I would have been as interested as, when the, as they did say, we want you to write Miche's story. We want you to write the story that no one's ever heard. We want you to write about the other side of the headlines. <coughs> Um, and so the chance to walk a bit of the road with her, um, not, I'm not writing about the fait accompli, I'm not writing about the whole resolution. There is, it isn't a resolved story. This is a real ongoing life every day. So it's changing. It changes, and it's even changed since the book came out, and that is the, that is the beauty and the tragedy and the trauma of writing yeah. a book and having to put a full stop at the end because yeah. they really... I was chatting earlier it's an it's an ellipsis yeah. at the end right there's yeah. no there's no full stop and that makes it incredibly frustrating but incredibly liberating because you know that it's behind the book and behind the the authoring of it is a relationship mm. and the relationship can keep on, on it keeps ongoing so whether it's my relationship with Miche or Miche's with her biological family or Lavona and Michael and, and the family who raised her with the public, with the audience, with the media. These are all relationships which are ongoing and which I can thankfully and happily continue to explore. Mm. Um, and, but in a way, what that also does is that, I mean, I was so grateful to you in the time that, the, that the, uh, all the Facebook and the social media commentary was coming out. I mean, Miche was definitely prepared for that. Yeah. Um, you know, intellectually. So what, what did you, I just want to, yeah. what did you say to her to prepare her for that? And, and did you think that it would be to the extent no. that it was? Because no. it was, yeah. I think, was I, think I was far w- less prepared, in right. fact, than she was. Um, and did, and it, did it ever come to you? Because I never saw anything about you and, oh, this is very cynical on NB's part of any cynical on, on Joe's no, not part. no. It wasn't. Uh, that was that, and that was the thing. And in fact, in a way, that was the saving grace because I knew, and that's what I kept saying to Michelle, is that all they, the the naysayers out there, all out there, all they need to do is read the, the book. book yep. All of this is coming from the point. This was all happening when the book was launched, mm. and there was a gosh, massive was kind oh, of. Gosh, I mean, when no. we received our first copies of the book, it, it came in a box with big red stamps. You know, the kind of no entry. Mm. It's an embargo on this book until it was meant to be the 23rd of August. The book was, in fact, released um, earlier because the identity protection order was released yeah. two weeks earlier than yeah. we anticipated. So, this story had broken out there before the book had a chance to get in and do what it wanted to do, mm. which was. Speak Miche's truth and her life and her experience in her own words. And so all this judgment was coming with very little basis. It was coming off the headlines. It wasn't coming off the story behind the headlines. It was the snippets, yeah. It was the snippets. And that's what I had to keep saying to her and to myself, is that once the fullness of the story is out and being digested and being read, hopefully a sensitive public, a thinking reader, Mm. will see that there is so much more to it than Mm. those three you know, kind of really negative types of comments that, that, you, that, you've, um, that you mentioned. Mm. And I was so grateful to you in particular for coming out with such a strong defense yeah. of that. From your point of view as, as someone who was adopted and went through a traumatic ex- life experience mm. and from the point of view of a journalist because I found I was shut down. Mm. Every time that I tried to kind of jump to Miche's defense, it was either on uh, you know, social media forums which would say, well, I'm sorry, unfortunately we don't allow the author of the book to make it. We need, light, need yeah. the public to make their own mm. opinion. Or, and so I was kind of having to rely on others to do that speaking for mm. me and come to events such as this and have launches and have interviews 
where I knew we would be able to get to the fullness of it yeah. without all that judgment. And yeah. it, was just, it was about riding that wave and just waiting for all of it to sink in. Why did this story particularly lend itself so well to the type of writing that you've become known for? Because you you continue that style um, where you are, of course, Michel is the is the protagonist, mm. for, for want of a better word, mm. but there are other players that, that, that whose voices you also draw on. Um, so it's her story, but other voices make their way into the book. Why is that? Why did that work so well? And it does work so well yeah. in this book. And it's interesting you say that because for me, that that during the process, that was a, a source of some frustration because I didn't necessarily get to all the players that I wanted to and have all the voices reflected that I necessarily wanted to have reflected. And so when certain key characters either couldn't or wouldn't be involved... Who wouldn't? So I couldn't access Lavona. No. Um, hmm. Although we, we, we did try to get to, through correctional services to have some time with her, but for various you know, red tape and et cetera reasons, that, that didn't happen. Mona and Celeste, I couldn't, um, didn't want to be involved. Um, and then Michael did um, play, play a part, and I did spend time with him. Um, and, then, so, so as, and those are obviously the key players that we're talking about. Cassidy w was under 18 at the time, mm. and, and so there was a restriction on her talking to me. Um, and while this was happening, just from a fairly superficial point of view, I was thinking, oh, you know, that's such a pity, and it's not giving us the full roundedness, 360-degree viewpoint that we want, and or that I want, or that I felt a, a reader or an audience would have wanted. And so I kind of went, was forced to, gladly, as I see it now, and then, kind of go down the more psychological paths, which is, of course, for me, what always drives um, any of the stories that I write. So I got to speak in depth to um, the social worker and the lawyer who were so integral yeah. in, in Michelle's case. Mm. Um, and then, you know, whether it was speaking to, getting to understand her, her case in the context of a bigger South Africa, in the context of, you know, the world and child protection and identity protection and all of that was fascinating and a byproduct that I kind of hadn't anticipated but mm. was so, and, and is so important, has been so important in the legal um, landscape in South Africa. Um, so, you know, that was kind of some, an, an unexpected um, outcome. Then talking to Michael and talking to Sophie Boerter, who was um, a yeah. kind of main source of support for Michelle, one of the teachers when she was at, at high school and the story broke. Um, and as I went down this path with them, it became apparent that, in fact, it was a better outcome because mm. I had to, it forced me to remember that this is Michelle's story. Yeah. In fact, it wasn't for me to go and represent Lavona's story or, or, or Mona and Celeste's story or, or you know, really, it, it was Michelle's perspective that had mm. to remain at the center. And that was who we had to whose perspective we had to pick apart and whose history we really needed to, mm. to understand. And it was, those were the people who landed up, you know, having their voices heard, who were integral in that 17-year process and yeah. in that, you know, one or two or, or four-year process after the, um, the big reveal or D-Day as we mm. called it. And so in the end, I think it worked well with those perspectives and it allowed Michelle and her story to remain absolutely central. Mm. More than... You know, exactly, more than the headlines. I've asked um, both Joanne and Michelle to read uh, from the book. Jan, will you? Sure. Uh, okay, so this is from the um, prologues, the introduction. For close on two decades, Zephanie Nurse captured our hearts and minds. Celeste and Mornay's tireless efforts to find her ensured that though her annual birthday candle went unlit for 17 years, the singular ring of her newborn name never entirely disappeared from public consciousness. Zephanie, wafting like the gentle breeze of the west wind along a trail run cold, until the day that Zephyr turned tornado. We think we know her, this mythical creature risen like a phoenix, emerging unscathed from a kidnapped past. There she was, hidden in plain sight for all these years. Though we are yet to hear her voice or see her face, though our image of her is still that of a day-old babe in arms, though we call her mom Celeste and her dad Mornay and her sister Cassidy and her, Zephanie, we think we know her. For close on two decades, we have been fed the story of Zephanie Nurse from every perspective other than that of Zephanie Nurse. 
But Zephanie is a figment, a newborn-shaped hole seared into memory by trauma. Miche Solomon, now there's the blood and guts, there's the beating heart of the story. But we haven't yet heard that story. Isn't it about time that we did? Mm. Absolutely. Just by a show of hands, has anyone who's read the book got the book? There need to be more hands. When you all come into the Jewish History Festival next week, you all need to. <laughs> yes, have, that's right. <laughs> you all need to have read the book by then. Um, so, I mean, it's it's no secret um, that over the years, Mornay and Celeste have been in talks to do their own book. Is that a book that you would be interested in writing? Yay! <laughs> I love you. I just hit straight <laughs> to the heart. She's not interested in, 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 in beating about no, the bush. No. It's great. Um, now, yes, for a, a year ago, let's call it, or, or when we first, actually it's less than that, eight <laughs> months ago, probably not. Um, and I think that where we stand now and where the, the relationships stand now and mm. as life unfolds and politics and drama and the very, very deep, deep complexities of, of what Michelle's had to go through and what the families have had to go through. Um, where it stands now, I would, be far, I would be very much more interested and privileged and, you know, to be in a position to write, to write their story. But, you know, at the end of the day, for me, at least as the, as the writer, it's not about me being ready to write the story. It's mm. about the protagonist, or in that case, if it were, say, Celeste and Mornay, it, was mm. it would be about their readiness mm. to tell their story and also about their motive. Mm. What is, and this is the question I have to ask for any story that I yeah. write. What is, the, what is the motive? What are you wanting to get out of this? Mm. Because if it's, as you say, if it's money, books ain't the place. Not in this country. Um, if it's, sorry, fame and fortune doesn't help if it's someone looking to exact revenge. revenge. No, I'm not your girl, you know. Um, I think there are other, uh, you know, forums for, for, for that. Um, if it's to try and understand your own truth and process and um, uh, more clearly, maybe. I'm not a psychologist, though. I come with a psychology background and a deep interest in unpacking the psychological element, and it comes through all my stories. But you, you won't get that resolution necessarily through me. It will help. It is cathartic, as Michelle has mm. said. It's an incredibly powerful process mm. to tell your story yeah. to, to a third party from beginning to end. Um, but that can't be the only goal. If it's because of the potential impact on out there on whether it's one individual person such as Miche mm. or your family um, or the world to understand your side to put themselves in somebody else's shoes to reserve suspend judgment mm. until they know your story then I'm most certainly interested and if that is the motive then I think that would be an incredible story to reflect yeah for sure um, Miche of, of your two sets of parents yeah. who has read the book my biological parents. <clears throat> Beginning to end, they've read? I think so. Or is there like <laughs> the kind of like that? It's like, oh, <laughs> damn. gets thrown under the bed for it. Um, I think they've read it. I don't know if they've finished it. I think my biological dad finished it. Okay. Um, I think Laverna read it. I'm not too sure. But Michael did has she? definitely read the book as well. And what did they all think, say, or perhaps more interestingly, not say? Um... Well, I would say mm. that my biological parents, they were quite heartbroken okay. over the book. What without giving too much away, because there's, yeah. there's certain, but, but if you can broadly, what was it that upset them the most? Was it your honesty? Was it specific things that you said? Or was it the yeah. fact that the book even existed? I think it was my honesty was too blunt okay and there were things we never actually communicated about and actually sat and talked about so there were so the that first they, they were hearing of it was in there yeah right so um they took it quite really hard it was extremely hard for them to and hard hurt hard hurt. angry <laughs> i think it was mainly um like heartbroken they, they can't believe that they own flesh and blood would feel like this, mm. it's all the, the rejection they would feel, like 
this is my daughter, this is my flesh and blood. Mm. How can she say this? How can she choose someone else over me? Mm. And I totally get that from being a mom. I totally get that. But, you know, we've gone through that. We've communicated about that. And for me, that's the most important thing was communication. Was this book, in a way, mm. a way of you saying things? Because, again, let's not forget, and, and this is this is something that, that I ring true to, and I've said that I relate so much, is that when I met my mm. biological father, and it was that was also kind of not to any level that the same, but there was a sort of public focus on that. And people would come up to me afterwards and say, it's so fantastic, and there's the happy ending, and, 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 no. we're, and we're so pleased. And it's like, this is not a happy ending. No. This is a beginning of something. This is something in its infancy. Yeah, this is very, very young and raw and fragile. It is very, very raw. And for you very. to have this spotlight shone on that. So was it that this, the book allowed you to say things that you nece couldn't necessarily at that point in your yeah, relationship definitely. say to them directly? Yeah. The book definitely narrowed that space. It basically said everything that I wish I could have told him. Yeah. Because I do feel that, imagine telling you right to your face what I actually think of you. Mm -hmm. It would destroy you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but when you go to the book, as, as Joanne said, there were snippets that was taken out which the public was throwing judgment at that. Yeah. But if they had actually gone and read the book, Absolutely. the reason why I said certain things, the reason why I felt the certain way, they would have understood. But I do also feel that the book is my truth. It's my yeah. real truth, even though the truth hurts. Sometimes the truth mm -hmm. is, it's not something we always want to hear, but it's the truth, mm. it is there. And um, I just, I couldn't hold in the truth from yeah. what I was feeling. And I do feel that now that the book is out, it, I think my biological parents also have a much more um, understanding to why I felt the way I felt, why I said things, why I said things. Mm. And that has brought the, com the key of communication into our relationship is to say what we don't like with the most utmost respect towards each other, yeah. to tell me if you don't, if you don't feel comfortable with this, if, regardless if I don't like it, mm. if I don't like say they would say something and I feel that I need to be the grown-up mm. but I that's also what I've learned is to take into consideration of what they feel I might be at a place where my healing has begun through my book coming yeah. out speaking about it and I feel that I'm ready to move forward with this but mm. My biological parents and my biological family might feel that they still need much more healing. They mm. still need much more. And so I need to take into consideration that they are still in their healing process. Well, me as well, but I'm just really, you know, I would say, in a much more faster way to moving forward. It's an with enormous that. responsibility that, yeah, you, it is, that you have in a way that, and this isn't to um, dismiss anybody else's trauma, because lest, lest we yeah. forget that, that while we sit here, and the fact that you now have a relationship with your biological parents, that mm. in no way negates the fact that the most awful thing that can happen to a parent happened to them. That's yeah. not something that will ever, ever go mm. away. Um, so the, the f how, whatever the healing, uh, whatever the journey that you are on, mm. there were two entirely innocent people yeah. whose lives, unfortunately by somebody you love, were absolutely mm. and irreparably, I would say, yeah. damaged. And so for them to be in, in that, that space is absolutely understandable, 100%. Yeah, and that, that's one of the things that I had to come to terms with, is Which to understand see, yeah. that. But that, again, mm. that's an enormous responsibility on you. It is, it is. Because it then, is. The, 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 and, and it seems to me, and, it, and in reading the book, it seems to me, that you, you are all left dealing with, with the uh, detritus, with, the, with the, uh, the, the broken parts, while, mm. and you know, forgive me for saying this, Lavona sits there, still in her little yeah. dishonesty. Yeah. Um, and not having to deal with, mm. and, and having, and having this person that she claims to love so much, and I'm yeah. sure she does love you enormously, yeah. but it all comes down to you. Mm. For me, it's like she, it's been, I think, five, six years. She still hasn't confessed to what she has done. I find that extraordinary. And 
It's not that I'm angry with her. I have my share of anger. It's not that you're... I'm not angry. It's more of no. disappointment right now. Okay. Because Were you angry? I was in the beginning. Okay. I was a bit angry. The fact that she didn't tell, that she, didn't, that she lied to me about what was going on. And I did also feel the love at the same time. That, that I, still, I still do feel towards her. Of course. It's not something easy to just chuck away. But Nor should you have to. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, right now, she hasn't confessed yet. And like the bond is still there. It's, it's basically hanging on a thread. Mm. The fact that you claim you love me, the fact that I may, I'm meaning the world to you, but still my pain was not worth up, up until this day not worth of telling the truth to me. And I find that it's, it's disappointing. I'm really disappointed in that. If she never sits you down and tells mm. you the truth, how do you move past that? How do you, what then? If she never ends up telling me the truth, um, that is a lot of, I have asked myself that question many times because it's possible that she might never tell me. I can't sit and hang around on someone's truth because I've got two little babies that need me to move forward. Yeah. I can't let, but what she did was terrible. Really, it was a horrible thing. It's any person's mother's nightmare to go through yeah. something like that. And, and father. And father. Yeah. <laughs> well, but like, if she never tells me, then she will never tell me. But I'm not going to stop my life because she's never, she's, she's never going to tell me. I have two kids. I need to move forward. I need to have a plan. I need to have a vision. But I, I think it will affect her a lot because she has told me that she is afraid of losing me. How do you reconcile that part of Lavona that is your mom, mm. that is, is your nurturer, yeah. that for, for whatever she did on that day, she raised you as her daughter. How do you reconcile that with not only what she mm. did on that day, the, 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 the mindset or what must yeah. have been going through her mind, but also how she continues to be, the, the continued deception. And the reason that I ask you that question, mm. again, from, from, my own, from my own experience, mm. as my biological mother who had lied and told everybody yeah. it, th that lie, there comes a point where, the, where the, the, the light, the truth gets, sorry, the light gets shone on the truth. And then everyone knows. Mm. And, and it's out there. You know, everyone now knows that baby Caroline didn't die and that she exists in yeah. the form of Sarah Jane King. Everyone knows that, as far as the law is, con is concerned, Lavona stole you, yeah. st or stole Zephanie, and, and that, that was that. How do you then reconcile mother-nurturer with thief from back then mm. and now continued liar? The, the insult for me mm. is the continued, the continued lie. Of that, that, that and is, unnecessarily, yeah. that continues to cause you primarily, because you would be the one that she's most concerned with, yeah. pain yeah. or disappointment. <laughs> How do you, who are those two people? Exactly. But like... Do you know Lavona? I do from what she's told me. Mm. Well, <laughs> well um, there was... A statement that I read that I never knew all the details. It was written with my name on. Yeah. The statement was in an envelope. And, you know, you can't justify this, her past, with mm. what she has done. Mm. But there is a sense to the psychological part, the abuse she has been through. Yeah. Which also helps me understand why she did certain things what and I still do believe that she's still under a psychological mind that you know she didn't do it sure I think she's she still believes. psychologically psychologically stuck in that she believes her own lie I think she does yes yes I think she does she believes her own lie That's certainly and how do I battle with, with a psychological issue like that yeah, perhaps perhaps not your job to, to, to do that. Yeah. Um, 
for you, are there any positives to come out of what began as this terrible, terrible tragedy? There is a lot of positivities that I can take from the story, that I can use, that I can give back. Firstly, uh, I always say this, but I always, I'll always be grateful to the public people that has looked for me, please, that has gone out. You know, people have been praying for so long, for 17 years. People cried, strangers cried with my biological parents as well. And it's also to impact the next person's life. Like in my book, it speaks about how important nurturing is, how important the, the debate between um, body you uh, nurture nature and that comes through in my book Mm. and it's also the fact of what lies can do to Mm. a person someone that you love dearly about how do you love and hate someone at the same time about (laughs) it's about being a single mom it's about teenage pregnancy it's about having a boyfriend at, at a young age there's a lot of things that come through and I'll always be eternally grateful to Joanne for bringing those things forth, for bringing those points forth, mm. to show my side, to show a bit of Lavona's side, to show a bit of Michael's side. And like this big plan that I want is to always, you know, I don't want to always be known as a sad girl with a sad story. Mm. I don't want to be known as a anymore because I do believe, I think my biological parents as well, that we are all survivors of one person's deceit, one person's lie. Mm. Yeah. Joe, how did you go about making sure that mm. in the book, Michelle was not just this wonderment, that she wasn't just the sad girl with the sad story mm. and she wasn't just Zephanie, that baby that got stolen. Mm. How did you go about, about, about doing that? Because you do do it, because we get to know Michelle as a, a full person. A person. Yeah. I mean, I think the multiple perspectives are important in that regard, like in terms of um, the other characters who are reflected in the story. Um, having them reflect not only on on their view of how the story unfolded, but also on their view of Miche and yeah. their understanding of, their, of her as um, whether it was a young child all the way through to the very capable adult that she now is. Um, so... I think the the looking at a, at a story from perspectives which surround the main story really helped to give the the kind of outsider view looking in mm. on on Michelle. And so while she does most of the talking for herself and is very capable of putting herself across in her own words, um, I think that the the perspectives of the others, whether it's the professional or the personal. Um, in in her space, <clears throat> um, really help us to kind of c- to color it in, you know, to color in the lines and 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 flesh flesh her out. Um, and then you know, it's also about partially the way I write is it's it's to reflect the main character's story. Mm. It's to reflect the 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 others um, who are affected by mm. her story. Mm. And then it's also to reflect my own experience and understanding of the story. And so almost in a way bringing the author in as a character in and of herself just to maybe represent the reader and what they're thinking and the questions they might be asking um, but then to to throw a little bit of a of a of an analysis in or an understanding or talk through my own mm. uh, questions or anxieties or worries yeah. or concerns or confusion or try hold myself back from judgment but talk it through then through the process of the book and I think that adds yet another perspective on Michelle, on the protagonist mm. um, and then hopefully helps, helps to, to fill out um, the descriptions of her um, because I think the, the kinds of stuff and you can hear it just sitting here the types of things that Michelle has to grapple with mm. are massive mm. they, they, yeah. they're really hard for anyone to, to, mm. to wrap their head around including Michelle herself and so walking through and talking th- through them with all the questions that come up in between, help her and us to understand them. Yeah. Um, and also to understand that ultimately, you know, if we're looking for that happy ending, mm. as you're saying, you, you know, we can release ourselves from the pressure of looking for the happy ending just simply by knowing that 
the story goes on. And yeah, if the happy ha- on happy ending isn't there at the end of you know, 28 hours of interviews and 40 meetings and whatever, yeah. it doesn't mean that it can't be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe mm. it's, you know, it's not the happy ending, really. That's the, that's the, the, pur- the purpose in yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Definitely. watching her, you know, and bearing witness to that journey of hers, really, that's, that's the interesting story. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Michelle, if you could ask one thing of... Yeah both sets of parents, of, of um, Michael and Lavona and of Mornay and Celeste, what would it be? Oh, yeah. Um, I would ask, um, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> My biological parents, I would ask them to, you know, accept me for who I am today, mm. as I am. Mm. Love me for who I am because I spoke to my dad, my biological dad, early on, and I told him, it's like when you hold your baby for the first time, you got all these plans, all these ideas of what he or she is going to become, what are they going to wear, what are they going to be like, and then they get stolen. That, those dreams get stolen from you, and then here they return 17 years later into an almost an adult and those dreams they've got other dreams other dreams and plants have been planted in them so to accept where we are today to accept me where i am today Mm. for lavona i would tell her i would ask her to be honest at least not to me if it's too much to be honest to me to at least to michael To be honest to him about what has happened, because and he's still very much very. Is it denial, or he genuinely believes? I think it's in denial. Right. He's very, very much in denial. Yeah. And to Michael, I would ask him to to just stay as humble as he is, to never change. Just be humble. Just just stay the way you are. To me, as as how you've raised me. Yeah. And it's like I have this dream. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but I'm like believing that it would happen one day. It's to, to just reconcile both families. It seems impossible right now. It's like, God, that's never going to happen. But it's like, you know, that, that little bit of hope as like my biological parents would keep. When I went missing, it seemed like a hopeless situation. Like, we, are we going to find her alive? Usually in cases like this, like, the child turns up dead. Mm-hmm. But that little bit of hope, celebrating my birthday every year, it brought me back that little bit of hope, that faith. So I'm holding that amount of hope to that reconciling. Mm. <laughs> Maybe one day, I don't know, but I would, I would love that. I want you to read something. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, let's do this. <clears throat> hey? You're amazing. <laughs> mm. um, huh? oh, okay. <laughs> this is to my biological parents. Mona and Celeste, we don't have the relationship we should be having. We might never have the relationship we were entitled to have. I am thankful that I've got strong biological parents. Thank you for keeping Zephany in your hearts. But maybe one day you can learn to love Michelle too. Thank you for searching for me. Thank you, mom and dad, for bringing me into this world. And thank you for the tears you've shed. Thank you for finding the strength to keep moving forward with, with heads held up high. I'm going to open four questions um, from the audience just now but I just want to end on this do you ever wish that your true identity had never been revealed mm. even if just for a split second as an escape to that does come pop into my head now and then just as an escape like maybe things would have been different but this is what it is it is my reality so if I would think of that or even feel it for a second, it's like an escape to what I'm actually going through in reality. Mm. But, you know, it is what it is. It is the reality. It is something that I have to go through, all caused by one person. Yeah. It changed all of our lives. 
I'm going to open out to the audience for any questions. I think there's a roving microphone somewhere. There. Michelle, you said that uh, there uh, were developments since yeah. the book was written. How, uh, what is the relationship between you and, and your uh, biological parents at present? Our relationship right now is currently, it's very genuine and it's strong. It's grown a lot since the release of the book and after, I would say. Um, communication has been really key to our relationship. So it's been, it's been really strong, it's been going strong, and we're we actually striving towards that relationship we were entitled to. But, you know, I'm not also taking my mind off that we are imperfect human beings. You know, there might be flaws that come up, like Lavona, she needs to still come home. There's those things that still need to come up. So we are in a phase of where we, like the beginning phases still, I would say, but we are really working to really just understand each other and really to comprehend to actually get back what we've lost, if it is even possible, but it's something we're trying towards to. Is the relationship that you're trying to form with Mornay and Celeste, mm. parent-child, and I don't mean child as in infant, but I mean, <laughs> you know, but parent-child, or is it more friendship? Because you, you wrote in the book at one point, um, I don't want Mornay to be the, the boss of me. It was about yeah. something completely unrelated. But it's... Is it possible, do you think, and is it something that you want, that you want them as your parents mm. or just as people that you know and love? Well, Sarah-Jan. Yes, <laughs> Michelle? Um, well, in the beginning it was like that, buddy-buddy. <laughs> but now, you know, they've shared with me a lot of things that I never knew, that okay. they never shared with like people. What? No, I can't say that. Uh. <laughs> and... Um, you know, like with the counselling, it's sometimes it's something I don't like doing, but because, you know, go to church, it's what the word says, you have to honour your mother and your father. Sure. And that, because I know it's pleasing to the Lord, it's pleasing to God. It's also the fact that I do have love for them. The love has grown, mm. you know. It, it's still growing. It's still in its baby phases, but mm -hmm. it's growing. And, but it's mainly it's because it's to please the Lord as well. But that is what his word says. Mm. It's to honor your mother and your father. And I know that, you know, you do earn your role to be called a mother. You do earn the role mm. because some parents are just parents and they don't fulfill their role as parents. But mm. that was taken away from mm. them. You know, it wasn't sure. given up. Yeah. So sure. I have to consider that, yeah. to honour them. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes, there's a lady in the front row. Okay. Hi, thanks. Hello. <laughs> um, I just want to start by saying, amazing interview. You were a great interviewer. Thank we loved you. it. We were all in tears. Hats oh. off to you. Um, amazing person. Thank you. Um, I just want to ask, how has this impacted your relationship with your children? Mm. I haven't read the book, and I'm planning to. Um, but how do you explain it to them or will mm. explain it to them when they're older? Huh. Well, that, that's something I always think about. It's, it's a daily thing. When I look at my kids, I'm always constantly reminded what my biological parents might have gone through. Even things that you're hearing now. Kids are being raped, kids are being murdered. And it's something I face with every day. How am I going to explain this to you? So what I'm doing right now is that my kids are spending a lot of time with my biological parents and you know the main thing is also that I want to teach them is to tell the truth no matter how ugly no matter how hurtful mm. that you need to tell the truth that is that is the main thing that I'm trying to teach them but right now they are getting to know my biological parents they know they part more so that is something I'm really pushing for. I, I don't want to make the same mistakes. Michelle, you, Tumoni and Celeste, you were yeah. Zephanie. Yeah. I'm a mother. I was, I'm just now thinking, what does they call you now? Because you're Zephanie to them. Yeah. Well, we actually spoke about that not too long ago. And again, 
the understanding part. The counseling that I'm getting is not of a counseling of a, a 23-year-old. It's as a woman to woman, a mom to mom counseling that I'm getting. So it's, I'm in a position, regardless of whether I like it or not, and I have to consider where my biological parents are at this moment. You know, so, and I'm actually okay with this because I know who I am. You know, I'm, I'm not who everybody says I am or think I am. And I told my biological dad, I asked him, do you feel comfortable calling me Miche? And he said, well, you are Zephni to me. And I actually told him, if you feel comfortable calling me Zephni, as I said early on before, you know, you create these dreams and this world and, are you tearing up? <laughs> And I told him, you know, even if I don't like it, but I have to consider them because where they are right now. Mm. So I told him, if you want to call me Zephni, call me Zephni. So he told me, but I can't call you something, even though, because you're not comfortable. So I said, but I told actually myself, but no, Michelle, you understand where they are right now. You know, and I said, call me Zephni if you feel comfortable with calling me Zephni. And people that know me, Michelle, can call me Michelle. The, you know, because uh, it's, it's not like people would classify Zephni as this and this and that, this and this and that. And that's not going to own me. It's not, it doesn't own me anymore. So I'm okay with if you call me Zephni, call me Zephni. Mm. If you call me Michelle, call me Michelle. I have to interject yeah. with this thing about the names mm. that we were talking mm. about. Um, when quite early on in the process and we were talking about uh, when in the interview process Michelle and I were um, talking about this issue of names and so I wrote about it because I'm very interested in the origins of words and language and where things come from so I have to read this to you what's in a name Zephanie Michelle the two names are not quite as different or as far apart as they sound Zephanie has its roots in Hebrew and means the Lord has hidden. Mishé is the feminine form of Michael and means likeness of God. But dig a little deeper below the surface of the proper nouns and you'll find Mishé in the form of a verb, an action word, meaning to sulk, to hide, to conceal. Zephanie, the Lord has hidden. Mishé, to hide. Interesting, right? <laughs> It's mind-blowing. There's a <laughs> lady crying. Yes, I see you, madam. I'm also crying. Uh, question, question at the back. No, I don't, I don't actually have a question. I have a comment. Um, I've, I've read your story. I've followed the news. Um, it's my life. I mean, um, um, the type of work that I do. And, and I've internalized you as Ephany. And um, I was very tired before I came here, and I'm not not sorry that I did. Oh, thank you. Um, because I'm looking forward to get to know Michelle. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to read your book. And I actually wondered why I came in the first place is because I really admire you. You're so young. I'm 47 years old. And you, you almost exceed my level of, of um, maturity. Mm. Uh, when I, I've heard, now I'm hearing you for the first time. And um, I really want to tell you, I know or I have some sort of idea mm. of, of what you went through. And um, I'm glad that through the storm, mm. you could still keep yourself together. Thank and you and still, much. yeah, stay strong. So Thank good you. luck for the journey. There's still mm. a lot of things that you should yeah, do and yeah. will do. Um, but I'm glad that, that you know where you're heading. Thank good you. Luck. Thanks. Is that mm. it? Are we any more? One more, one more. Yeah. Hello, I do feel that I've got this on my heart, um, so I'm Shay. <laughs> and actually for you as well, Joe. I think uh, I feel so materi about the whole story, of course, but I also think it's so easy to be angry, and that's yeah. what everybody wants you to be. Yeah. And I, I can't help thinking about Game of Thrones, um, the whole way it ended, and how the, all of society was so angry that Jon Snow wasn't the big hero in the end, and... Hold on! <laughs> Some of us are not at that stage yet, madam. Okay, Ruined. Spoiled. <laughs> but I also found that story so very mm. interesting and in how, um, oh, should I rather not say <laughs> what's going on? But I felt that 
what he did was also selfless and the whole world yeah. was angry. Exactly. And I was like, yes, this is such a typical story of uh, a selfless love and mm. a faith. And it's the only way I can explain mm. why you feel the way you do is because of that, a faith. Mm. Um, and I think it's understandable that the whole world is going to yell because that's also typical. Yeah. So I actually just want to encourage what you are doing. And um, so I don't think it's wrong. <laughs> I think Thank it's you. wonderful. <laughs> and keep going. Thank you. Thank you very much. The book is called Zephanie, Two Mothers, One Daughter, An Astonishing True Story, written by Joanne Jowell and, of course, Joel, sorry, and, of course, uh, with uh, Michelle Zephanie. However, she seems happy for you to identify her. I think that the, what I've taken away from this is that, is first of all, your extraordinary maturity, which blew me away the first time I met you, but also your commitment to healing. Yeah, your, yeah it's, it's that, key, yeah. Your commitment to healing is extraordinary. Mm. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you, you very much.